0: Chapter thirty four of the Italian. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Cathy Barrett. The Italian by Anne Radcliffe. Chapter thirty four. Master, go on, and I will follow thee to the last gasp, with truth and loyalty. Shakespeare. In consequence of the dying confession of Scudoni, an order was sent from the Holy Office for the release of Vivaldi within a few days after the death of the confessor and the marchese conducted his son from the prisons of the inquisition to the mansion of his friend the count di maro with whom he had resided since his arrival at rome while they were receiving the ceremonious congratulations of the count and of some nobles assembled to welcome the emancipated prisoner a loud voice was heard from the antechamber exclaiming let me pass it is my master let me pass may all those who attempt to stop me be sent to the inquisition themselves in the next instant paolo burst into the saloon followed by a group of lackeys, who, however, paused at the door, fearful of the displeasure of their lord, yet scarcely able to stifle a laugh, while Paolo, springing forward, had nearly overset some of the company, who happened at that moment to be bowing with profound joy to Vivaldi. "'It is my master! It is my dear master!' cried Paolo, and sending off a nobleman with each elbow, as he made his way between them, he hugged Vivaldi in his arms, repeating— oh my master my master till a passion of joy and affection overcame his voice and he fell at his master's feet and wept this was a moment of finer joy to vivaldi than he had known since his meeting with his father and he was too much interested by his faithful servant to have leisure to apologize to the astonished company for his rudeness while the lackeys were repairing the mischief paolo had occasioned were picking up the rolling snuff-boxes he had jerked away in his passage, and wiping the snuff from the soiled clothes, Vivaldi was participating in all the delight, and returning all the affection of his servant, and was so wholly occupied by these pleasurable feelings, as scarcely to be sensible that any persons beside themselves were in the room. The Marchese, meanwhile, was making a thousand apologies for the disasters Paolo had occasioned, was alternately calling upon him to recollect in whose presence he was, and to quit the apartment immediately, explaining to the company that he had not seen vivaldi since they were together in the inquisition and remarking profoundly that he was much attached to his master but paolo insensible to the repeated commands of the marchese and to the endeavors of vivaldi to raise him was still pouring forth his whole heart at his master's feet ah my signor said he if you could but know how miserable i was when i got out of the inquisition he raves observed the count to the marchese you perceive that joy has rendered him delirious how i wandered about the halls half the night and what it cost me to leave them but when i lost sight of them signor oh san Domenico, i thought my heart would have broke i had a great mind to have gone back again and given myself up and perhaps i should too if it had not been for my friend the sentinel who escaped with me and i would not do him an injury poor fellow for he meant nothing but kindness when he let me out and sure enough as it has proved it was all for the best for now i am here too signor as well as you and can tell you all i felt when i believed i should never see you again the contrast of his present joy to his remembered grief again brought tears into paolo's eyes he smiled and wept and sobbed and laughed with such rapid transition that vivaldi began to be alarmed for him when suddenly becoming calm he looked up in his master's face and said gravely but with eagerness pray, signor, was not the roof of your little prison peaked, and was there not a little turret stuck up at one corner of it, and was there not a battlement round the turret, and was there not—' Vivaldi, after regarding him for a moment, replied smilingly, "'Why, truly, my good Paolo, my dungeon was so far from the roof that I never had an opportunity of observing it.' "'That is very true, signor,' replied Paolo, "'very true, indeed, but I did not happen to think of that.' i am certain though it was as i say and i was sure of it at the time oh signor i thought that roof would have broke my heart oh how i did look at it and now to think that i am here with my dear master once again as paolo concluded his tears and sobs returned with more violence than before and vivaldi who could not perceive any necessary connection between this mention of the roof and his late prison and the joy his servant expressed on seeing him again began to fear that his senses were bewildered and desired an explanation of his words paolo's account rude and simple as it was soon discovered to him the relation of these apparently heterogeneous circumstances to each other when vivaldi overcome by this new instance of the power of paolo's affection embraced him with his whole heart and compelling him to rise presented him to the assembly as his faithful friend and chief deliverer the marchese affected by the scene he had witnessed and with the truth of vivaldi's word condescended to give paolo a hearty shake by the hand and to thank him warmly for the bravery and fidelity he had displayed in his master's interest i never can fully reward your attachment added the marchese but what remains for me to do shall be done from this moment i make you independent and promise in the presence of this noble company to give you a thousand sequins as some acknowledgment of your services paolo did not express all the gratitude for this gift which the marchese expected he stammered and bowed and blushed and at length burst into tears and when vivaldi inquired what distressed him he replied "'Why, signor, of what use are the thousand sequins to me "'if I am to be independent? "'What use if I am not to stay with you?' "'Vivaldi cordially assured Paolo "'that he should always remain with him, "'and that he should consider it as his duty "'to render his future life happy. "'You shall henceforth,' added Vivaldi, "'be placed at the head of my household. "'The management of my servants "'and the whole conduct of my domestic concerns "'shall be committed to you, "'as a proof of my entire confidence "'in your integrity and attachment.' and because this is a situation which will allow you to be always near me thank you my signor replied paolo in a voice rendered almost inarticulate by his gratitude thank you with my whole heart if i stay with you that is enough for me i ask no more but i hope my lord marchese will not think me ungrateful for refusing to accept of the thousand sequins he was so kind as to offer me if i would but be independent for i thank him as much as if i had received them and a great deal more too the marchese smiling at paolo's mistake rejoined as i do not perceive my good friend how your remaining with your master can be a circumstance to disqualify you from accepting a thousand sequins i command you on pain of my displeasure to receive them and whenever you marry i shall expect that you will show your obedience to me again by accepting another thousand from me with your wife as her dower this is too much signor said paolo sobbing too much to be borne and ran out of the saloon but amidst the murmur of applause which his conduct drew from the noble spectators for paolo's warm heart had subdued even the coldness of their pride a convulsive sound from the antechamber betrayed the excess of emotion which he had thus abruptly withdrawn himself to conceal in a few hours the marchese and vivaldi took leave of their friends and set out for naples where they arrived without any interruption on the fourth day but it was a melancholy journey to vivaldi notwithstanding the joy of his late escape for the marchese having introduced the mention of his attachment to elena di rosalva informed him that under the present unforeseen circumstances he could not consider his late engagement to the marchesa on that subject as binding and that vivaldi must relinquish elena if it should appear that she really was the daughter of the late Immediately on his arrival at Naples, however, Vivaldi, with a degree of impatience to which his utmost speed was inadequate, and with a revived joy so powerful as to overcome every fear and every melancholy consideration which the late conversation with his father had occasioned, hastened to the Santa della Pieta. Elena heard his voice from the grate inquiring for her of a nun who was in the parlor, and in the next instant they beheld each other yet once again in such a meeting after the long uncertainty and terror which each had suffered for the fate of the other and the dangers and hardships they had really incurred joy was exalted almost to agony elena wept and some minutes passed before she could answer to vivaldi's few words of tender exclamation it was long ere she was tranquil enough to observe the alteration which severe confinement had given to his appearance the animated expression of his countenance was unchanged yet when the first glow of joy had faded from it and elena had leisure to observe its waneness she understood too certainly that he had been a prisoner in the inquisition during this interview he related at elena's request the particulars of his adventures since he had been separated from her in the chapel of san sebastian but when he came to that part of the narration where it was necessary to mention he paused in unconquerable embarrassment and a distress not unmingled with horror. Vivaldi could scarcely endure even to hint to Elena any part of the unjust conduct which the confessor had practiced towards him. Yet it was impossible to conclude his account without expressing much more than hints, nor could he bear to afflict her with a knowledge of the death of him who he believed to be her parent, however the dreadful circumstances of that event might be concealed his embarrassment became obvious and was still increased by elena's inquiries at length as an introduction to the information it was necessary to give and to the fuller explanation he wished to receive upon a subject which though it was the one that pressed most anxiously upon his mind he had not yet dared to mention vivaldi ventured to declare his knowledge of her having discovered her parent to be living the satisfaction immediately apparent upon elena's countenance heightened his distress and his reluctance to proceed believing as he did that the event he had to communicate must change her gladness to grief elena however upon this mention of a topic so interesting to them both proceeded to express the happiness she had received from the discovery of a parent whose virtues had even won her affection long before she understood her own interest in them it was with some difficulty that vivaldi could conceal his surprise at such an avowal of prepossession the manners of scidoni of whom he believed her to speak having certainly never been adapted to inspire tenderness but his surprise soon changed its object when olivia who had heard that a stranger was at the grate entered the parlour and was announced as the mother of elena di rossalba before vivaldi left the convent a full explanation as to family was given on both sides when he had the infinite joy of learning that alena was not the daughter of scidoni and olivia had the satisfaction to know that she had no future evil to apprehend from him who had hitherto been her worst enemy the manner of his death however with all the circumstances of his character as unfolded by his late trial vivaldi was careful to conceal when elena had withdrawn from the room vivaldi made a full acknowledgment to olivia of his long attachment to her daughter and supplicated for her consent to their marriage to this application however olivia replied that though she had long been no stranger to their mutual affection or to the several circumstances which had both proved its durability and tried their fortitude she never could consent that her daughter should become a member of any family whose principle was either insensible of her value or unwilling to acknowledge it and that in this instance it would be necessary to vivaldi's success not only that he but that his father should be a suitor on which condition only she allowed him to hope for her acquiescence such a stipulation scarcely chilled the hopes of vivaldi now that elena was proved to be the daughter not of the murderer scidoni but of a count di bruno who had been no less respectable in character than in rank and he had little doubt that his father would consent to fulfil the promise he had given to the dying marchesa in this belief he was not mistaken the marchese having attended to vivaldi's account of elena's family promised that if it should appear there was no second mistake on the subject he would not longer oppose the wishes of his son the marchesia immediately caused a private inquiry to be made as to the identity of olivia the present countess of di bruno and though this was not pursued without difficulty the physician who had assisted in the plan of her escape from the cruelty of fernando di bruno and who was living as well as beatrice who clearly remembered the sister of her late mistress at length rendered olivia's identity unquestionable now therefore that the Marchesa's every doubt was removed he paid a visit to the santa de la pieta and solicited in due form olivia's consent to the nuptials of vivaldi with Elena, which she granted him with an entire satisfaction in this interview the marchese was so much fascinated by the manners of the countess and pleased with the delicacy and sweetness which appeared in those of elena that his consent was no longer a constrained one and he willingly relinquished the views of superior rank and fortune which he had formerly looked to for his son for those of virtue and permanent happiness that were now unfolded to him on the twentieth of may the day on which Elena completed her eighteenth year her nuptials with vivaldi were solemnized in the church of the santa maria della pieta in the presence of the marchese and of the countess di bruno as Elena advanced through the church she recollected when on a former occasion she had met vivaldi at the altar and the scenes of san sebastian rising to her memory the happy character of those which her present situation opposed to them drew tears of tender joy and gratitude to her eyes then irresolute desolate surrounded by strangers and ensnared by enemies she had believed she saw vivaldi for the last time now supported by the presence of a beloved parent and by the willing approbation of the person who had hitherto so strenuously opposed her they were met to part no more and as a recollection of the moment when she had been carried from the chapel glanced upon her mind that moment when she had called upon him for succor supplicated even to hear his voice once more and when a blank silence which as she had believed was that of death had succeeded as the anguish of that moment was now remembered elena became more than ever sensible of the happiness of the present olivia in thus relinquishing her daughter so soon after she had found her suffered some pain but she was consoled by the fair prospect of happiness that opened to elena and cheered by considering that though she relinquished she should not lose her since the vicinity of vivaldi's residence to la pieta would permit a frequent intercourse with the convent as a testimony of singular esteem paolo was permitted to be present at the marriage of his master when as perched in a high gallery of the church he looked down upon the ceremony and witnessed the delight in vivaldi's countenance the satisfaction in that of my old lord marchese the pensive happiness in the countess di bruno's and the tender complacency of elena's which her veil partly undrawn allowed him to observe he could scarcely refrain from expressing the joy he felt and shouting aloud Oh, giorno felice. Oh, giorno felice. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. End of chapter 34